0: Amen, amen. Well, hello, everybody. Why don't you turn around and say hello to somebody. Just say, hey, welcome to Sunset Hills. Good morning. Well, it's good to see you uh, this morning. Hope that you've had a great morning. What a nice twist to our weather, right? Like you woke up and a little bit, like there's sweaters, there's sweaters now, it's time. And I mean, it's just like that. It turned it on and it's such a good feeling and stuff like that. Hey, a couple things, if you're new with us, thank you for being here, hanging out with us. If you wanna just text hi to that phone number right there, promise we won't give your number out but that will just put us into a communication chain to be able to communicate with you ministries events things that are coming up and if you are new to us in the past like few weeks come out and see me at the connect table any of our uh, first impression greeters would love to just give you a a, we'll call it a swag bag of some cool stuff and uh, just say thanks for being here and how we can help uh, minister you otherwise if you're not that then I assume you're just kind of one of our You know you're just one of our regulars and you're here and that's awesome and I want to say that uh, coming on a Sunday morning for public worship is great it's great because we get a chance to stop and start to be able to look to the great things that we just sang about that our worship team just led us into and this morning we've got a great lineup of wonderful things we got a baptism we're going to hear the word of God preached We're going to continue in worship. And so I'm just excited for you to be here. So let me just open this up in a word of prayer. Just invite the Holy Spirit to be able to just fall upon our place and let this roof get lifted off with our singing. Father, we thank you so very much for your love and care for us. The gospel that has just been heralded as that song that we just sang, that we can rejoice, that we can lift our voices, even in the midst of our hardships and troubles and sufferings, that, Lord, there's a, a, a real truth to the fact that you are a good and ever-present God, that you're good for us and that you're good for us to worship and adore. And Lord, may you just draw us into that in public worship right now. Thank you for the baptism that's gonna happen. I just pray ahead right now for Pastor Steve as he preaches that he would just be behind you and the gospel will be heard and reverberated and that our church then will go out into the highways and the byways and the places around here proclaiming jesus as lord and savior of our lives drawing people to you and just continuing that mission for you and we love you in christ's name and god's people said amen
1: sing along with us we are going to uh sing about our jesus this is my jesus Are you past the point of we Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause shame's done all it's stealing. And you're desperate for some healing. Let me tell you about
2: this is an amen morning because of a life that has been been given to Jesus Christ. I tell you, if you ever want to hear somebody who could really witness about what being saved is all about, you just have a conversation with Knox here. Because when he and I were talking, it was just amazing his grasp of what it was and what it meant to ask Jesus to come into his heart. And he just explained it so well to me. It's like, there is no doubt that this fellow right here, Knox Norm, gave his heart to Jesus Christ. And today we get to celebrate by him following Christ through the baptismal waters. And we were talking, again, just how he was explaining everything to me. And I had already kind of heard that hey, would it be possible for my dad to baptize me? So we just kind of thought, you know what? Couldn't be a better thing, in my opinion, than watching a dad baptize his son, amen? The only problem is, is this guy was playing around with a knife last night and pretty much took his, he just told me his fingerprint right off of his his hand, six stitches that he had. He just got back from the doctor this morning his late coming because he had to have six stitches but you know what it's not about him really it's not about Knox it's about Jesus who saved Knox and you know what when you gave your heart to Jesus all of heaven was celebrating what you did angels were rejoicing what the Bible says so, not only do they rejoice in what's going on now today, our church joins in rejoicing to see what's going to happen today. All right? So, I'm going to turn it over to your dad, and he can do the honor of baptizing you. Yes,
3: yeah, so, is it working? Okay. Um, yes, yeah, so first, Kristen and I would just like to thank everybody uh, family, friends, and anybody who's been a part of this church. Um, you've you've definitely helped along the way with Knox's journey and, and led us to where we're at today. So uh, so Knox grew up in this church. Uh, he was one of Miss Georgia's last Sunday school students, um, and he's been curious over the years. We've had conversations, and then about a month ago we had three baptisms here, and I always help with them. And when I got back, he uh, he just gave me this this uh, real big hug, and uh, and I I. I thought he really made Kristen mad, honestly. Um but uh he didn't let he didn't let go and I honestly didn't think a ton of about, about it. And we got home that day we were eating lunch and uh he said he said, Dad, I think it's time. I said, Time for what, bud? And he said it's time for me to become a Christian. So I asked him, uh I said, Son, do you know what it means to become a Christian and, and what did you say?
4: Um, it means that I know Jesus um died on the cross for my sins
3: and then I, then I also said um, there's a responsibility that comes with that and, and what did you say when I asked you that?
4: Telling others about Jesus
3: and, and I said well sounds like you got it bud so we had a few more conversations uh, that week and then that Thursday night we uh, gathered as a family and um, and we said the prayer and uh, last thing I want to tell you son is, is whenever we have a really good day we gone fishing or did something fun what do I always ask you? Was that the best day ever? And and the reason I do that is try to put an imprint in your mind of of a memory, something you'll remember. On September 21st, I don't need to ask you, bud, you made the best decision you will ever make in your entire life. You ready to go? All right. So with your profession of faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
4: makes a way, where well, there ain't no way, he rises up from an empty grave, there ain't no sinner that he can't save, let me tell you about my Jesus, his love is strong and his grace is free, and the good news is I know that he can do for you what he's done for me, let me tell you about my Jesus, and let my Jesus change your life. Hallelujah. 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 Amen.
1: Amen. Who can wipe away the tears from broken dreams and wasted years? And tell the past to disappear. Oh, Let me tell you about my Jesus and all the
4: Let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes a way where there ain't no way. He rises up from an empty grave. Ain't no sinner that He can not save. Let me tell you about my Jesus. His love is strong and His grace is free. And the good news is I know that He could do for you what is done for me. Let me tell you about my Jesus. And let my Jesus change your life Hallelujah 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 Amen. Amen
1: Amen Who would take my cross to Calvary Pay the price for all my guilty Who would care that much about me Let me tell you about my Jesus, oh, sing it.
4: He makes a way where there ain't no way. He rises up from an empty grave. Ain't no sinner that he can't save. Let me tell you about my Jesus. His love is strong and his grace is free. And the good news is I know that he do for you what is done for me. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Let my Jesus change your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh shit.
5: heard so much unrest, God, so many fractions that are fighting one another in the name of religion, God. Lord, I'm so grateful today that I serve a living God, a God of, of peace and life, of love, not of hate, God. Your name of this morning in song. God, as we proclaim your word, the spoken word, God, I just pray that you get all the glory today. God, I know there's, there's a day that's coming, and I, I believe that it's soon, God, when you're going to call us back home to be with you. But God, until then, let us do our very best to reflect everything that you find valuable God, your love and mercy and grace. We can reflect those things to draw others to you, God. Lord, we love you today. We're so grateful for this opportunity. Let us not take it for granted. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated today.
2: I really think we could have just kind of gone home right after the baptism. Anybody want to do that? Raise your hand. Uh, Driving on the interstates around Nashville these days can be a pretty harrowing experience. Anybody say amen to that? Uh, I'm usually a pretty nice guy when I'm driving on the road. I let people in front of me. I don't tailgate drives me crazy when I leave some space, and every time I leave space, you know what happens. One or two or three cars just jump right in front of me, and I, if, they, um, if they let me come into their lane, I, I, I throw my hand up and say thanks or put my window down and, and just express my appreciation for that. I, I don't suffer from road rage uh, until... until I see somebody zooming by me at such a high rate of speed that it takes me by surprise and scares the daylights out of me. Have you ever had that happen to you? They whiz right by, and you just watch them weaving in and out across several lanes of traffic while you're trying to get your composure and get your color back in your face, you look up and they're already out of sight. It just sends me really, just flies all over me. Such anger boils up in me, and I'm thinking, "What are you thinking? Doing? And driving so fast? What an idiot! Too fast, reckless driver. Too many cars weaving in, out, and across those lanes of traffic and." There's a side of me that really wants to just gun it and catch up to him, pull him over and yell, citizens arrest, citizens arrest. <laughs> I see y'all watch Andy Griffith also, right? Then I think I hope there's a cop ahead like Donnell who uh, is gonna give them what he should have coming, right? I really hope he gets pulled over. As far as I'm concerned, no ticket fine is good enough for that guy. I I say guy, it might be a guy, I'm sure it is. I've never really noticed because they're too fast going by me to really know for sure. But I'm thinking not only should they get a very heavy fine, but they ought to be arrested, spend several nights in jail, confiscate their car, and sell it take away their license <laughs> just be done with it right give him what he deserves for putting people in danger that way anybody with me the problem is though is, is we we tend to do that with more than th- other types of things we, we have an attitude I think at times where we Approach life and look at others with, I hope he gets what's coming to him. Might be different kind of situations where we kind of sum it up and say, look at that person's life and say, they need to get what they deserve. It's sort of ingrained in us and most of us deep down want people to get what they deserve and be honest, haven't you thought about that from time to time? In many cases, people really do need to get what they deserve. I understand that in courts of law. and I mean, that's appropriate that our judicial system takes care of things. But when it comes to a relationship with Jesus Christ... God established a whole different kind of protocol. It's the protocol of grace. Grace is anything but fair. Anything but what we deserve. And I want us to look at a story today of a story of grace. It's about Jesus... A man full of grace, who doesn't treat a scoundrel, really, the way that he should be treated. If you want to turn to your Bibles today with me, you can look to chapter 19 of the book of Luke. The title of my sermon is, Jesus, Friend of Sinners. I want to look at this incredible, inconceivable notion that Jesus goes well beyond giving what we deserve, becomes a friend of Jesus, a friend of sinners. And in this story, we will see he's anything but fair. While I understand that viewpoint that we often hold about people getting what they deserve, I'm really glad, and you should be too, that God doesn't give sinners what we deserve. It's grace that God gives, the unmerited favor of God. And it's good news that Jesus came to take everything that you deserve away and put something else in place of it rather than giving you and I what we deserve. Throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and even into Acts of the Apostles, we, we, we find stories about Jesus becoming, being a friend to sinners. He's hanging out with all types of people that normally a religious person would not have hung out with. You, you know this. He's, he, he's hanging out with people who deserve much worse than what He affords to them. So let's look at this story. As Jesus entered into Jericho, he was passing through. You probably already know the story, right? You probably heard it since you were in a Sunday school class somewhere. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, was very wealthy. We find in verse 2 that this Zacchaeus is a man of prominence. His name in Hebrew means pure and righteous, but he was not thought of as being someone close to being righteous or pure because of the job he had. Zacchaeus' story begins with him as a villain and not the hero. He would be compared to someone of of a mobster type uh, in today's time. Uh, He's a Jew, but he does not collect taxes for Israel for the Jewish government Uh, these Jews were a conquered people at this time in history so the Romans are in control of the Jews and their land so the taxes are not going to his government per se of his nationality they're going to the Roman government and so a tax collector was not a just a, a government employee he was actually considered a traitor person who worked for the conquerors for the enemy to the state or the nation of Israel and and when you add in the religious aspect of the situation it becomes even that much more bitter for his people to swallow and and you got to understand this you have to understand kind of who he is and how people see him in this Roman government who were considered pagans and heathens and godless people by the Jews so to side with Rome was not just unpatriotic it was blasphemous to be on the same side with these people here and they were not a very nice government who had conquered Israel all the world around them they would often rape the women in, this, in the city where they conquered and leave the men hanging on crosses outside the city to make an example of them and I mean you knew that Rome was there and the fact that he worked for this kind of Roman type of uh, institution indicated to others that he was more interested in what he could get out of it rather than for other people He's a chief collector also, which meant he was the boss. He was in charge of other tax collectors, and and he was uh, in charge of those agents, and not only would he take a cut out of those people that he would be responsible for of collecting taxes, he would take a cut for himself from all the tax collectors so that they had to get more to give to him. You, you just see the setup here. It's just not a very nice person who's doing this. So he takes money from people that he doesn't, shouldn't be taking from. And the result is basically this man is lonely and hated. And in that time period, tax collector was synonymous with sinner, with a person who has great greed. Zacchaeus would have had very few people who liked him, if any. Most of them hated him and didn't want anything to do with him. Zacchaeus certainly doesn't deserve anything good on the contrary for what he has done he deserves punishment so in verse 2 we notice that Zacchaeus is very wealthy and successful by the the standards of the world at that time but there must have been something going on in his life in spite of all that he had there appears to be something that is missing he's not fulfilled even people today, if they're honest, will eventually admit that there's more to life than just having stuff or making money and having great amount of possessions. And while few of us have so blatantly betrayed God and country the way that Zacchaeus did, we can all testify that sometimes that money, success, materialism, Uh, They create a, a lacking within our lives. We can have a whole lot, but there just seems to be an emptiness there once you have achieved it. These things, these opportunities can distract us from what is important, rather who is really important. So, like so many today, Zacchaeus must have been looking for something more. Whatever brought him to the point where he signed up to be a tax collector to work for the enemy, whether it was out of necessity or greed or a combination of two, whatever, there was something that was just leaving him empty, and he was seeking. And when he heard about Jesus, he became curious. So we pick up in the next verse. He wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus. A desire was there, but because he was short he could not see over the crowd now I, I just can't I, it just to so me it's just it's really funny I mean here's this guy of of, of, of stature by the world standard but the, the the Bible describes he's just short he wanted to see Jesus but he can't see because of the crowd he he Something was driving him to check Jesus out. He was intrigued by who he was. I don't know, that maybe he had heard about some of the miracles, like giving the sight to the blind beggar on the outskirts of Jericho, or maybe he had heard other stories about what Jesus has done, but something is drawing him there, or maybe he's just curious. Have you ever known someone who's just naturally curious? Do you have a child that's naturally curious, anybody? Yeah, no, nobody? (laughs) Oh, there's one, thanks. Noah must be naturally curious. Okay, does he ever get in trouble because of his curiosity? He does, you can say that. That's our police officer saying, acknowledging his son is a real sinner, according to what? (laughs) There's hope. I mean, we saw it this morning, I kind of have that propensity to be curious. Curiosity, if it's not channeled right, can catch you in the seat of the pants and sometimes take you to a place of unexpectancy. I've had more than one occasion where my curiosity got me into some sticky situations, and I would like to say it was when I was like Noah's age, but it was when I was an adult, I mean you've heard some of my real life stories about that you know I think Zacchaeus was uh, was curious about who Jesus was and could never expected what was going to happen to him that day uh, he had may not have fully understand what was going on in his life with his heart but Zacchaeus has this desperate need to get to know Jesus he probably couldn't explain what drew him there that day to see who Jesus was. I mean, for those who aim for wealth and success and comfort and pleasure for the things of this world, a point comes to where those dreams become empty, and maybe he had gotten to that point. Like, could this fella do something for me that hasn't been accomplished yet? The only problem was, Zacchaeus has two problems. The first one is, he's short. He's a short man. There's a syndrome that goes around. I'm not particularly fond of the name of this syndrome called short man syndrome. Watch it. I looked it up. There is this thing, It's, it's short man syndrome. Is a condition in which a person has to deal with a feeling of inadequacy, which can come from a lack of height or a perceived lack of height. It is an informal term that, and not medical or psychological, or psychological condition. It goes by other names such as Napoleon complex. Technically, it's a form of inferiority complex in which the person's attempts to overcompensate for their perceived short. Coming, the term is often used in a derogatory term, also to describe those who are perceived as not acting this way. Now, listen to me. I just want you to know that if I ever hear any of you referring to me as having short man uh, syndrome, I'm going to be coming and yelling at you, maybe citizen's arrest or citizen's arrest or something of that nature. We're going to tangle over that. Okay? So, but you know, I picture Zacchaeus. Having a short man syndrome, an attitude. Maybe he's bouncing around the, the crowd on his toes, just trying to get up and to see over their shoulders who Jesus is. Maybe, as people recognize, you know, those people that are. You know, he's aggravating and kind of lurking, trying to figure out. I, I just wonder if some of those same people that may have been in the crowd recognized that it was him, and maybe he had stolen from them and given them a hell or so every now and then. You know, it's like, I'll get you. I'll give you what you deserve. You never know. But That was his first problem. He, he could not see over the crowd. And his second problem was spiritual. Even though he doesn't quite recognize this, maybe, but he's got a spiritual problem. His sins were keeping him from Jesus. Isaiah 59, 2 says that our iniquities have separated us from God. Now, I want that to sit in, sink in just a minute, because it's important to realize that. there. When we are sinful, there's a separation from God. When we are living in our sin and we haven't been saved from it, we are separated, according to what Scripture says, from God. So not only was Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus of short stature, he, like so many, don't, doesn't measure up to God's standard comes up far short in a spiritual sense of having a right relationship with God. Here comes verse 4. So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. What I like about this is this short man becomes very resourceful. Us short people have to find ways to catch a view sometimes, and we have to outsmart the situation. I know from experience. I remember on one of my trips to Washington, DC, it's one of those times when my curiosity killed the, got the best of me, and it was back this has been a long time ago, it was back when Ronald Reagan was president. And we had heard that he was coming in a motorcade back to the White House. So I got our school group together, and we went over to the White House. And this was before 9-11, so there was a little more access and a little more freedom to walk around and do things. But as um, around the White House, they'd already placed these barricades. And I wanted to see Ronald Reagan. I wanted to see his... The presidential limousine bringing him into the white house and it really is quite an interesting thing to watch the motorcade as it comes in with all of the 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 other resources that that go along with it and sure enough pretty soon along comes his limousine and i had decided that i wasn't able to see close enough so i climbed up on one of those barricades and you know what happened Secret service came and took me down. <laughs> it's the truth. I mean, I was trying to be resourceful, and Zacchaeus, he was trying to be resourceful. So he tries to figure out, how can I see Jesus? He climbs up in a sycamore tree. Now, you've got a picture of the scene of this. Not only does he climb up into a tree, but he runs to get ahead of the crowd, and that becomes that comes before he climbs up. Now, it would not have been very cool for this guy to have been doing this. First of all, it's not considered; it's it it would be have been considered undignified for a rich man to run. Undignified because in that culture, if you were a person of Zacchaeus' statue status, it would signify that whatever it is that you're running after it, it's more it's important to you. So you get it? It's like, well, he's wanting to get ahead. If I run after it, it's gonna show people that Jesus is important. Been undignified for him to do this. Secondly, I don't know about you, but it seems funny to me that this wealthy man would shimmy up a tree to see Jesus. These sycamore trees often grew by the side of the road and had branches that grew out horizontally from the trunk, which would give him a good view of Jesus. And it would not have been cool for Zacchaeus to do either one of these, for this, for this man of this status to run or to climb either one of them. It just wasn't cool. he'd been used to keeping the status of cool. Have you ever been around someone who is really intent on keeping the status of cool? You ever been around somebody like that? I mean, it's just like they really just work to present this image of I got to be cool all the time. I had a friend in college that was incredibly good looking. I mean, he looked a whole lot like Richard Gere, right? and he knew it and he was actually a model and he would almost every other week make a trip to Atlanta to be in some you know magazine or pose for for something it's often he'd go to New York City to have a a shoot and and he just anytime I was around him he just had this this persona about him that said he had to be cool just had to keep it all the time. And I would just get sick of it. It's like, dude, really? Just be yourself. And so he would put on this cool act, and, and I kind of felt it was my business and my job to bring him down a notch or two from time to time. <laughs> you know? So here's this little redneck short guy. This is this good-looking Richard Gere-looking fellow. And it's like, I, I just need to bring you down. In college, I had this really cool car. Okay, A Fiat X19. Does anybody know what a Fiat X19 is? I mean, it, it was really, it was a neat car. A mid-engine car, and you could, it was very low profile, and, and you could take the top off of it. And, I mean, it was really neat. And he liked to come get my car and drive it around. And sometimes we would be riding together, and one of these, one of these trips we were riding around, he was trying to be really cool and do these things, and he was sitting in the passenger's and i was driving and and he was just going on and on and i thought man i thought this is my chance i'm going to just take him down so we're driving by some warehouses off of allied drive and i just whip into a parking lot and they're set next backed up to a warehouse a tractor trailer a, a, a trailer no tractor just a trailer And I decided that I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know what I did? I just started driving about 35 miles an hour and just went zipping right underneath that trailer. I mean, there's about that much room between my top of my car and that trailer. Who's reckless now? I knew there'd be a smart aleck in the group somewhere. <laughs> I knew when I started telling this story that I was going to happen. Yep. And I looked over at him and I said, Haha, how does it feel now, Mr. Cool Guy? You know, taking you down a little notch. And every time you do that, every time you get in that kind of attitude, I'm going to figure out a way to take you down. And what he did not know was the day before I had gone through that parking lot. <laughs> At about two miles an hour <laughs> making sure I could go underneath that trailer. This cool guy by the name of Zach Kiss, something happened on that day. He was willing to put his cool aside. No amount of cool was going to stop him from seeing Jesus. He was determined to see him and frankly, didn't quite care what others thought about what he was going to do by sprinting or climbing. He was not going to allow anything, the crowd or the, his condition, to stand between him and his desire to see the Lord Jesus. The opposite of what he had normally been accustomed to. He totally lost his cool that day. It's a beautiful picture, really, of what it looks like to discover Jesus. Here is this dude running in front of the crowd, climbing a tree, just trying to get a glimpse of Jesus, and he's not concerned with the status of cool. A guy who normally had it all together. Somehow he was seeing himself in a different light. helpless undeserving desperate and broken condition not sure he's quite there yet but maybe that's compelling him to check jesus out i'll do whatever it takes to see jesus because something was broken and he desperately needed to have it fixed When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I'm going to stay at your house today. Can you see the scene kind of in your mind? Here we see Jesus doing something that was incredible. No religious teacher that... The crowds had been accustomed to seeing would have ever done this. Here Jesus doesn't worry about what other teachers are doing. He too doesn't worry about the crowd. What he does is he worries about the individual that he spots in the crowd. And he stops. To look at this sinner. To look at this tax collector. Someone who was a betrayer would take advantage of his own countrymen who dishonored the name of God Jesus chooses to break the rules of the norm can you imagine what must have been going through the minds of the people as so they were walking with Jesus that day as he stops looks up says "Zacchaeus." kiss well, how did he know his name Why did Jesus stop under that particular tree? Maybe some others had seen what Zacchaeus did, or maybe Zacchaeus got the idea from others. Maybe there had been other people that had been stationed or placed themselves in a tree above the road as well so that they could see, but he stops here at this particular tree and wants that particular sinner to come down. And here's something I think that is important for us to... One of the many things we can take away from this story is Jesus knew exactly who he was talking to, just like he knows exactly who you and I are. He knows everything about you. He knew you before you were even born. He knows what you're thinking right now. He knows what you did last night and what you'll do tonight and tomorrow night. And he knows what you'll do next week, a year from now. And he knows you as a sinner. And here's the good news. He's a friend to sinners like me and like you. And he declares... In his stopping to see Zacchaeus, just as he declares to us through his gospel, I know all the good things about you, and I know all the bad things about you, and still he loves us. And he stops to this man who desperately has a need. He says, come on down. I want to eat with you. I want to go to your home. What he's really saying is, I want to have a relationship with you. And verse 6 says that Zacchaeus came down at once. And watch this. Welcomed him gladly. He came down right away. And he welcomed him joyfully with great excitement. The word for gladly carries it with the idea of jubilant exultation. I can't help but think about the other night that I spent with Knox in this side room over here. It was a Sunday, It wasn't it? It was a couple weeks ago, right after church. As we were talking, as Sean described this morning, how his family had already, see, I'm getting emotional like you did, how his family gathered around. And they talked about what it meant to become a Christ follower, a believer. As Sean was talking about this this morning, which I didn't know all that. Then he said, well, let's talk to Brother Steve about this, or Pastor Steve. And to see the sheer joy on Knox's face. He's not a tax collector, is he? He's not bringing riches into your family through some bad way it didn't take all that but something about the child this child knew what it was to ask Jesus to come into his heart and how his face would light up as he was talking about it exuberant joy welcoming Christ to come into his life is such a beautiful thing to see when someone accepts Christ. And this guy who had done so much wrong recognizes exactly where he is and he sees for the first time Salvation from what he's been doing. Love from a person who doesn't even know him, he thinks. Acceptance in spite of all the bad he has done. Which says so much about how he accepts us. forgiving us there's nothing in our past that he can't forgive us of I don't know if Zacchaeus was looking for forgiveness or looking out of curiosity or what but what he found that day was forgiveness when Jesus passed his way I got a whole bunch more to my sermon. But right here seems like a good place to stop. What Zach got that day was far more than what he ever thought he could get. When he was willing just to say, I'm broken. hurting and I think I've found someone who can fix what's broken and Jesus comes in and does that maybe that's you here today broken in some sort of way that you realize there's nothing you can do and nothing's going to fill that void But I can tell you that there is one who does, and his name is Jesus. And he wants to forgive you. He wants to fix you. He wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to love on you and be your friend because he's a friend of sinners. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, I do not know what's in the hearts of people today. Just like the crowd didn't know what was in the heart of Zacchaeus on that day. But there's one thing for sure and certain. As Jesus passed by the way of Zacchaeus, Jesus knew exactly what was in his heart and the need that he had. And Jesus was the only one who was capable of fulfilling that. Just like today, there may be something that's missing in someone's life. Maybe it's that first relationship through salvation with you. Maybe it's they're hurting because of some circumstance that's out of their control and they don't know how to handle it. They're searching for something. Maybe they've tried a lot of other things and they found it lacking. Father, let them know that Jesus wants to come in and fill that void. So, Father, I pray that there's one here today that needs to have that void filled, that in his time of invitation, they would come and just surrender it to you. They would just say, I've had enough. I now give it to you, God. Say, I don't, I may not even, they may not even recognize what that means, but Father, we're here to show, and we're here to talk, we're here to pray, we're here to help. If that's the need, our pastors will take care of that we will help to explain Jesus. Maybe someone just needs to come here and pray in this time of invitation to this altar and Surrender it to you, then I pray that we'll be obedient to follow you. Whatever way you're leading us to do, Father, during this time right now. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Please stand. Please respond if God's leading you to. Lord, I come and I come. Oh throughout our day today, throughout this week. That there are others out there in this world that are hurting. Maybe they're a lot like Zacchaeus, thinking, peers on all outward appearances, they've got it all together. Yet there's inside of them a void. Something just seems to be missing. Maybe we are being positioned to speak into that and help them to see that Jesus passes by. Maybe we're that instrument, that person, who just by the presence of the Holy Spirit helps us to see someone who needs to know Jesus. Father, maybe we've just been in this place today and we've just pushed away the calling of the Holy Spirit because of something that is lacking in our lives. And I pray, Father, as as we go about our week also, there's something there that's been drawing us to you that, that will continue to be drawn until... We make sure that we've done everything there is to do to have that right relationship with Christ. We ask all of these things in the blessed name of Jesus. Amen. May be seated, please.
5: Amen. Jennifer's going to come up. She has a really unique perspective on Christmas shoeboxes. She wants to talk to us about
6: everybody. Um, I know there's so much out there that sometimes we get overwhelmed, but I wanted to give you just a quick story about a personal connection with the Samaritan's Purse Operation Christmas Child. Um, I'm the mom of four, and my oldest son, Keynes actually mows the grass here at the church. He got married about three weeks ago, um, and he's a great guy, but we adopted him from Latvia when he was 11 years old. And one day, a few months after we'd adopted him, we were walking through our church hallway. It was a large church in Smyrna, and there was an Operation Christmas Child display there. And Keynes looked at me, and he said, Mom, you do that? I said, Oh, yeah, yeah, we've done those before. We've, we've done those. And he said, No, do you do that? And I said, Yeah, we've, we've done those before. And he said, Did you Give it to me. I said, well, you know, we do it through the church, and the church sends it to kids all over. He said, Mom, I remember every year a van would pull up, and people would get out with these boxes that looked like those, and they would give them to us. Mom, I got one of those every year, and so did Rachel. And I looked at him. And he, I said, you got some of those? He said, yes, Mom. Did you send that to me? And, <laughs> it, it, you know, it took me aback. I explained about, you know, I told him that it what probably wasn't mine, but it was from somebody who wanted to share God's love with kids like him all over this world. So I just want to encourage you. Um, Operation Christmas Child is a little way that you can really reach out to these kids and, And just to kind of pull at your heartstrings a little bit more, when you look at the grass around the church in our property on the campus here, think about a little boy that is saying, did you send me that box? Because they're real kids, and it makes a real difference. Thank you.
2: A firsthand story of what that can do. It's pretty simple, really. Just get some things. I think there's probably a list of things that you can place and buy and put in that box there. Oftentimes, and we've done this for several years, oftentimes we just do this and you're gracious to do it, but we put it, fill it up, and we seal it up, and we send it off, not realizing the effect it really has. And this is a real life story to two kids in our family, church family. Made a difference for. You know what? There shouldn't be any of these left today, right? You say, well, I've already gotten one. You can get another one. Who wants this one? Oh. You have other announcements. I have one more. I do. You.
5: I do. Keynes is a very passionate about his faith, and that's that's a great story. I love that. Um, this coming Saturday. Our men are going to be uh, pulling out the griddle and making some uh, breakfast this morning. It's always a great time. Uh, But the best part about it is I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. They brag about the bacon. I'm vegetarian. I don't know if it's good or not. But I can attest that the fellowship is amazing. So uh, if you don't come for any other reason than just to connect with other men uh, about your faith, just walking with them in life, um, it's a really awesome opportunity you have, guys and that's Saturday at 7:59. So I uh, invite you to come and be a part of that. And then also want to just remind you, we have trunk or treat that's coming up October 29th. It's only one hour guys, it's from six to seven. It's gonna be a power hour. It's gonna be a great opportunity for you to uh, share, just like the shoe boxes, to share uh, just one extra touch uh, with families around this area, just about the love of Jesus and what he's done for us. And uh, by the way, there are these great business cards that Courtney has uh, printed up. And, man, what a great opportunity. You don't have to. You can just leave this, these with a friend. And all the information they need is on these these cards right here. They're invite cards. So uh, we encourage, just like there's no uh, boxes should be left behind, no cards left behind. Let's make sure they all get in the hands of prospective folks. Steve. Yeah,
2: thanks. Uh, a couple of just other announcements, I want to uh, express my appreciation to Mark Miller. Mark, would you please stand? Mark is Courtney's dad. Mark uh, has been with the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board for, what, 30? 26. 26 years, and has worked with uh, all those folks out there. He's done a great job through the years, and he's visiting with us this morning. He and his wife are here, and we're just grateful that these guys are doing the work that they're doing. Would you make Mark feel welcome in our church this morning? And then, no doubt, you have seen the news of what is going on in Israel. The death count continues to rise, and uh, many people have been kidnapped, taken back in, to Hamas, and many people in Hamas have lost their lives, a lot of innocence, the p- folks there, that because of what's going on. I literally this morning we had been, started planning a trip that I was going to announce. Uh, encourage people within our church to go to Israel Um, and we were going to announce this this morning and start trying to get people who would like to go to Israel to sign up for this next June. We're going to put that on hold obviously for good reason but if this doesn't last long it looks like it might be safe again then if you've ever had a desire to go to Israel our church is going to be working with a uh, uh, another church to help sponsor a trip for that so we'll be sent, giving you more information about that but in the meantime we certainly need to be praying that God will bring the people will be open to having this war come to an end quickly so that there will be no more loss of life we pray for wisdom for the leaders of Israel for the leaders of Hamas that they will be able to get together and, and stop what they're doing we want God to reign in all of this. So please include that in your prayers, okay? Would you please stand? Would you ready to go home? Good morning to be in church. Amen? Amen? Have a great afternoon.
5: Hi, good morning. This is Kelly. I want to take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what? We would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request, we would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615-776-1807. One of our pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m. or blended worship at 10 a.m. We would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.